Good morning. It is so great to see you. Happy Easter. Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but in many traditions, it's customary for one to say to a person, he is risen. And it is customary for the other person to say, he is risen indeed. So let's try that this morning. Good morning. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. We are so grateful that you are here with us this morning. I'm still kind of new here, so I don't want to assume that we have any first-time visitors, but if you are attending with us for the first time this morning, would you fill out a connection card that you can find in the seat back in front of you so that we can learn more about you? If you are joining us online, um, we have a digital connect card, and we would love for you to fill that out so that we can learn more about you. And make no mistake about it, we are so grateful that you chose to come here and worship with us today. I want to uh, read a psalm to you this morning as you prepare your hearts for worship, as you prepare your heart for what the Lord wants to do here today, because he wants to do something great here today. So let's read from Psalm 118, and I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? King Jesus, we are here to worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for the hope that is offered here in this space because our King Jesus lives. Because he lives, we know that we can face another day. And we are here this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. We are open, we are here, we are listening, and you are welcome in this space. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. That doesn't get you excited. That's right. I don't know what will, right? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning as we prepare to open the word? Lord, we continue in this attitude of worship and in response this morning. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to the teaching of your word, to the hope and life that is found in your living, breathing word. Lord, I pray that these words would be your words from your Holy Spirit to your people this morning. Lord, reignite our hearts, awaken our hearts to the new thing you want to do in us today. We are listening, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In just a few moments, we will read from John chapter 20. If you'd like to go ahead and prepare to turn there. Um, I want to start off this morning by saying that um, this may not be the typical introduction to an Easter sermon that you are used to, but I just want to ask you to hang with me because we are going somewhere this morning. The good news is coming, so just hang with me if it seems a little dark and dreary for a moment. I'm a person that likes to invite us to sit in the tension, so I want to do that this morning. Because I want to start off by reminding us today that we are people who know darkness, right? We are people who know darkness. 
And and I'm not going to keep going back forever, but I just want to pause and recognize that 2020 was a dark year for many, for most, if not all. 2020 was a dark year. We were reminded last year of just how fragile and broken we are and how fragile and broken our world is. The darkness of the pandemic alone was enough to remind us that we are people who know darkness. But in the midst of of the darkness of the pandemic that robbed us of our year, of joyous moments in our life, robbed us of loved ones, we were also reminded of other darknesses that we face in this world. The darkness of partisan politics reared its ugly head last year as we approached an intense election season. It doesn't matter which side you're on, we can agree that it was an intense year, an intense election season. And we saw the, the, the real ugliness of partisan politics and how it can tear friendships apart and make us turn our backs on one another in frustration. That's a darkness that we saw. We saw the darkness of of racism rise once again. We were reminded of just how divided we are, that we can't even discuss the issue without ugliness coming out. We can't even have a conversation. It reminded us of just how much work we have to do to be able to even have these conversations that we need to have with one another. It was a darkness that we were reminded of. Perhaps for some of us, we watched as this ugly darkness was rising up within ourselves in response to all these other things. And that was just a few that we experienced last year. Among those darknesses, others were job losses, whether related to COVID or not. Poverty, despair, depression, the list goes on and on. And for some, 2020 may have been a light year for you. For some of you, you made it through 2020 and thought 2020 was nothing compared to what I have been through in my life in previous years. For some of you, you're like, I've already forgotten 2020 because 2021 has not proven to be any better. And for some of you, you've already faced the intense darkness of 2021 as you have experienced sudden losses in your life. You're dealing and battling with illnesses, chronic illnesses, relationships that are troubled. In the past few weeks, we are reminded of that darkness as we see death tolls rising, whether it's from COVID, whether it's from other illnesses or cancers, mass shootings, hate crimes. The death tolls are on the news daily, and we are reminded every day of the darkness that is all around. And I have to say that I think at moments, if we are brutally honest with ourselves, at moments we ask questions like this. Is all hope lost? Because sometimes it feels like it is. Sometimes we just wake up. We people who who love the Lord, whether we walk with the Lord or not, we wake up some days and we look around and we think, really, is all hope lost? Because I don't see any hope around. Is all hope lost? This is the feeling I would imagine that was felt at the beginning of this day over 2,000 years ago. I would imagine that this real feeling of is all hope lost was running through the minds of Jesus' friends and followers and disciples on this day over 2,000 years ago. 
We read in John's Gospel, chapter 20, at the beginning, as Mary is making her way to the tomb, John reminds us that it's still dark. It's so early in the morning that she is headed to the tomb to care for Jesus' broken, lifeless body, to anoint his body with oil. It's still dark. And I read that and wonder, does that darkness of the early morning match the mental and emotional darkness that Mary and the disciples were walking through that morning? Because I bet it does. I bet it did. And she goes to the, to the tomb, and we know this story. You know this story, but here's my fear. I fear that we often rush so quickly through this story because we know what's coming, and we want to rejoice and celebrate what's coming, and we do. But we rush through the tension of the story that Mary is in darkness walking to Jesus' tomb to care for his broken and lifeless body just to find that he's gone, that Jesus' body is now gone, and he's nowhere to be found. And I have to imagine in this moment, Mary is staring at this empty tomb, sitting with the realness of Jesus' absence and asking questions like, what? Now his body is gone? Where is Jesus? Who would take his body? Who would do such a thing? And why? What are they doing with him? And where's Jesus when I need him most? Doesn't he see my pain? Doesn't he understand that I need him in this moment? Where is Jesus? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Where is Jesus? Where was Jesus when I was going through that horrible moment in my life? Where was he? Because I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. Perhaps in addition to asking questions like, is all hope lost? You wonder at times, where is Jesus? I had one of those moments in my own life. I've had many, but, but one real and raw moment that stands out in particular to me was in 2010 when my husband Bo and I were expecting our first baby, and I was into the second trimester, and we unexpectedly lost that pregnancy. And that was a darkness that I was not familiar with walking through that loss. And I remember that in the weeks, the days and weeks, as I was trying to recover from that loss, and I was trying so hard to find Jesus in that. I couldn't see him, I'm not going to lie. He didn't feel very present at that moment. I couldn't really feel him and see him in that darkness. And I feel like as I journeyed through that time, it was one of those times where that wasn't enough, that there had to be more things that happened, and I just felt like I was being slammed for days and weeks. It was one awful event after another, and I remember sitting in my bed, laying in my bed in the darkness, wondering, God, I am looking for you. I am trying so hard to find you and see you, but I'm not going to lie. You don't feel like you're here with me in this moment. The pain and the darkness is very real, And I'm struggling to see you. I'm struggling to find you in this moment. As depressing as that is, and I warned you, right? It's a downer. As depressing as that is, this is the pain that we face in life. It's raw. It's real. And it's the pain I really do believe that Mary and the disciples were feeling when this day began over 2,000 years ago. And so I want to invite you to stand this morning as we read our main passage from the word of the Lord in John chapter 20, reading verses 19 through 23. Imagine the tension of this moment as we read. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. If you are thankful for this word this morning, would you say thanks be to God? Amen. You may be seated. This might not feel like a very eastery passage this morning, but I just have to tell you that if I could take you back to one year ago on Easter morning, where were we? At home. At home, and I read passages like this. The disciples were in locked rooms of fear, and I looked around my living room and thought, well, so am I. I'm in this room, and I'm kind of locked in my home, so to speak, and and I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I'm not sure what the days look like ahead, and I just have to say that last year, this felt like the most Eastery text ever. It was so relatable, and, and we can relate in a very small way. I don't want to exaggerate here. We can relate in a very small way one year ago as to how the disciples felt maybe a little bit on this day because the disciples later on, keep in mind this was in the evening, so almost the entire day had gone by, and they are still in this locked room of fear. They are still in darkness. They are still grieving. They are still afraid. And at this moment, they are living without hope, wondering, is all hope lost? We thought Jesus was that hope. We placed our lives in his hands. And for what? He died on a cross. We watched him die. And now he's gone. His body is buried away forever. Is there hope for the future? Can hope be found And I would imagine that they were asking questions like, where is Jesus? They were living in very real fear and danger. Because you see, at this point, they're living in fear of the Roman political leaders who could call them insurrectionists and have them killed. They're living in fear of the Jewish religious leaders who at this point will call them heretics And for that, they can be killed. And so they are living in very real pain, locked in this room, filled with hopelessness. And I just have to point out, on this Easter Sunday, a day that is normally filled with rejoicing and praise, and rightfully so, rightfully so, I wonder how many of you feel like you are still living in darkness. How many of you still feel like you don't have a lot of hope? Maybe some of you at home feel like you're still locked in this room and you're filled with fear and you can't find hope. Maybe some of you are no longer confined to your homes and you're moving out and about, but you still feel like you're looking for hope. You still feel like you're walking in darkness. This very well may be your reality on Easter morning. And guess what? If it's not, that's great. But someone you know is walking in darkness this morning. Someone you know is without hope this morning. And you might think, no, I know everyone and they have hope. The people in my life have hope. Well, then you need to know more people. Because somewhere on this morning, while we're here in our Easter clothes celebrating the resurrection, there are people walking around at this moment who have no hope. So either you're living without hope this morning or you know someone who is. And this is what the disciples understood. 
This is what Mary understood at the beginning of this day over 2,000 years ago. That is, until hope shows up. That is, until hope in Christ resurrected walks into the locked room and declares peace because hope shows up. And because of this truth that we read in Scripture, the truth that we just read in that passage, because of that truth, you need to know this morning that hope is here, that hope is possible, that hope didn't stay dead over 2,000 years ago, but was resurrected in the life of King Jesus. And so in this moment, we picture Jesus walks into this room. He stands among the disciples in the flesh, Notice how he didn't wait for them to come looking for him. Did you notice that? I love that part of the story where Jesus doesn't stand outside of this room thinking, where are my disciples? They knew I was coming back. I told them, why aren't they looking for me? Why aren't they expecting me? Why are they so afraid? Didn't they understand what I told them? But he does what Jesus always does. He meets you where you are, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your doubting, in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your hopelessness. He shows up because hope is alive and hope is here. I read a fantastic book recently that I would highly recommend. It's called Echoing Hope. And if you feel like you're living without hope, you need to read this book. The author's name is Kurt Willems. And he says in this book, listen to these powerful words. He says, Jesus' scars stand in the intersection between our pain and the actualization of our hope. We discover a Jesus who experiences our despair and invites us to see the beautiful potential of our lives as we discover that resurrection is real and that sometimes the echoes of our emptiness allows hope to echo all the louder. You may be feeling empty and lifeless this morning, but stop, quiet yourself, and listen because the echoes of hope are there. They're echoing louder if you would listen and hear and see. And while we are people who no doubt know darkness, we are people who know pain, we are people who know and experience fear, we are people who know and experience shame and hopelessness, but we have to know this morning that as people of God, as children of God, as people of the resurrection, we also know hope. And it's a very real and living hope. Listen, this is not the same kind of hope as, ooh, I hope I get a puppy for Christmas. Or, ooh, I hope I get a car for Christmas. Or, ooh, I hope the Cardinals do well this season. Or, oh, sorry, uh, I hope the Cubs do well this season. And I hope you enjoyed that, because that's the only sports metaphor you'll ever get from me, ever. That's all I know. Cardinals and Cubs, that's all I know. It's not the same kind of hope as that. I don't care how good your team is. This is a different kind of hope. This is a living hope. This is a resurrected hope that meets you in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your mess. It's a living, real hope that lives and meets me 
every moment of every hard day. It finds me. I may not even be looking for it. I may be throwing my hands up saying, God, where are you in my mess? God, where are you in this world? God, where are you in the stress of my life? I may not even be looking for it, but it still shows up and meets me where I am. And that hope is there for you this morning. It's a real living hope. It's a life-changing, moment-changing hope. And it's available for you. The question is, will you receive that hope today? Will you receive that hope today? Because Jesus continues to show up in the dark places of our lives. And he extends his scarred hands. And he breathes a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit on us and says, peace be with you. Hope is here. Can you sense it? Do you see it? I'm going to tell you that there are times when I don't sense it or see it, but I believe that it's there because of those who have gone before me and those who walk beside me. They remind me of the hope that is here. If you haven't received hope, today is the day because hope is here. Hope is here, and it's always been here. Don't get me wrong. It's not just here for this quick moment, one-time offer, but it's going to expire in a few minutes at 11 o'clock. No, no. Hope is here, and it's always been here. But will you receive it? Because, see, hope was there when Mary was walking to the empty tomb in the darkness. Hope was there when the disciples were in this locked room of fear. They just didn't realize it yet. But Jesus, in his loving grace, will keep coming for you. He will keep busting down the walls that you've built, and he's going to come and find you. The question is, are you open to it? Will you receive hope? Because hope is here. And if you have received hope this morning, I'm looking at a a room full of people who I believe have received hope. That For the most part, people in this room have received hope, but guess what? You're not off the hook. You're not off the hook because as I reminded you earlier, there are people in your life and in your midst who are walking in darkness and who don't have hope and they're looking for you to show them. They are looking for you to live out this hope every day of your life and to point them toward the light. Notice how Jesus commissions the disciples at the end of this passage. Guess what he says? He doesn't say, okay, now everybody stay put in this room where it's safe. Stay put in this room where you're comfortable. I'm in this room with you, Jesus says, and so let's stay here. No. He says, go. Now go. Go share this hope with others because they need it. Go share this hope with the world because they're desperate for it. Go share this hope with people who are dying, who are living their own version of hell already separated from God. They need it. They're waiting on you to share it with them. So go. You and I are commissioned to go and share this hope. We aren't commissioned to stay put in our comfortable places, in our homes, in our church building, and to celebrate this hope, but we are to then go and share this hope. We are to be hope dealers, if you will. We are to be dealers of this hope. We are to point people toward reconciliation and forgiveness not be a part of the divide, not to be a part of the tearing apart sides and putting our stake in the ground and saying, this is where I am and I'm not moving. We are to go and walk through life with people, pointing them towards reconciliation, pointing them towards forgiveness, pointing them to the living hope that is found in Jesus Christ. 
And this commission, I hate to tell you, will never expire. It doesn't expire when you retire. I didn't mean to make a rhyme, but I did. It doesn't expire. It's always going to be there. We are called to illuminate the world with the light of Christ because the world is in darkness, friends. And just because we have the light in here doesn't mean they have it out there. And so some of you this morning, you might be hearing these words and you might say, okay, Nicole, that sounds great. I I like that. That sounds really great. But what do I do when the darkness comes again? What do I do when another 2020 comes again? Please, Lord, no. But what do I do when it feels dark again? What do I do when it feels like too much again? What do I do when I feel hopeless again? What do I do when the light is so hard to find? What do I do when Jesus seems to go missing again? I've got one word that I want you to remember. I want you to remember the word tulips. Because I don't know if you noticed this or not, but tulips are everywhere this time of year. You walk into Target, there's tulips. You walk into my new favorite grocery store at the moment, Schnucks and and Deerberg's and all these places, and there's just tulips everywhere. Among other flowers, there's tulips. And I love tulips. And I've been thinking a lot about tulips lately. I've been thinking a lot about tulips for a few years now, and I've learned something about this beautiful plant. You see, these beautiful flowers, they're unique in the way that they will do whatever they can to reach the light. Wherever the sun is coming, wherever the light is, these tulips will bend and move and arc and twist and form themselves to where they can receive light. I actually filmed this video myself a few years ago because I heard, about, heard this about tulips and I wanted to see for myself. If you want to play that again because it was so short, you can. But I wanted to see for myself, is that real? Do tulips really do that? And I'm not going to sit here and stare at them for 30 minutes or an hour. And so I set them up in front of my kitchen window and I did a time lapse. And sure enough, that's what I saw. This beautiful plant will, will twist and arc and it will just do all it can to reach the light. And I also learned that this flower, it closes up in the darkness. It'll close itself up in the darkness until it passes through a dark night. And then once light is visible again, it opens back up. And it will position itself to receive the light. They keep reaching for the sun. Even after passing through the darkest night, this tulip will keep reaching for the light. And some of us, some of us feel like we've been closed up for a year. Some of us feel like we've been closed up for most of our lives. Some of us feel like we've been doing everything we can, but we just can't get to the light. And I just want to remind you to be more like the tulip. When you feel like the light is gone, when you feel like the darkness is just too much, I want you to twist and arc, keep moving toward the light because the light is here. And and the scriptures tell us that, that the darkness will not overcome it. And that's hope and truth for us to build our lives on. And if you're the type of person who needs a community to point you toward the light, then find a community that points you toward the light because we need each other when we're not able to get to the light. We need each other to bend and arc and twist and point ourselves to the light. Find yourself a community of people that will point you to the light. You need that. 
I need that, and I hope we can be that for each other. No matter the darkness that you feel, no matter the hold that you feel darkness has on you, find the light. Find people that will point you to the light. Find a community that points you to the light. I want to end with this passage in John chapter 1. I love this this message. I love this word. And I want you to, if you have to close your eyes to receive these words, I want you to receive these words this morning. This powerful word from John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, will not overcome it. He goes on and he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that in him all may believe. So that you and I who are skeptical, so that you and I who say, I want proof, so that you and I who say, show me a sign, give me something that I can see to believe. The words were written from John so that you and I could hear and believe that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's coming. Get ready. He's coming. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God moved into the mess that is our lives. He moved into the neighborhood and made his dwelling place among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is good news for the children of God. This is good news for you who are living in darkness. This is good news for you who feel like I need hope. This may not be the typical message that we're used to hearing on Easter, but friends, this is the message that we need. There is light in the midst of our darkness, and his name is Jesus. He suffered and died He descended into hell. He joins with us in the hells we experience every day. And ultimately, he rose and conquered the power of sin and death and darkness. And he resurrected hope. Will you receive that hope today? If you have to receive it again, will you receive it again today? And if you've already received that hope, will you be dealers of that hope today? Who needs hope today? May we respond accordingly. Do you know without a doubt that you are loved this morning? Do you know without a doubt that hope is here? Do you know without a doubt that you are loved and seen by God who breaks down the walls and the barriers that you put up so that you know the love he has for you? And do you know that you are loved by a community of people as great as this one. And I will be someone who walks with you, beside you, and points you to the light, if you'll be that for me, because I need that too. 
I want you to know that you don't have to walk through this life alone, that we walk together. You are loved. You are redeemed. You are made new in the very living hope in Christ alone. I want to invite you to respond. Would you bow and pray with me this morning? Offer up your heart to Christ. If you've been holding back pieces of your heart, I want to invite you to respond. Give your heart fully to him this morning. Grab the hand of somebody who can pray with you, who can be beside you, who can lift your arms up for you when you can't lift them yourself. Would you respond to the loving hope and grace that is offered today? Living Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in your name. We thank you, Lord, that we can wake up each day and your mercies are truly new. We don't pretend that they're new. We don't muster up these feelings or emotions that make us feel like they're new. We don't fake it, but they truly are new. And they give us what we need to keep on going, to keep on moving, to keep on living. And Lord, we thank you for the ways that you show up for us, even when we aren't looking for you, even when we are rejecting you. Lord, remind us that there will be a day when you are going to come and you're going to make all things new again. Resurrection for Jesus means resurrection for me. It means that I have a hope and a future and an eternity. I have hope of a perfect life united with Jesus. One that will never be taken over by darkness or death or fear or pain, but it'll be made right with Jesus forever. That is the hope that we live for. That is the hope we are waiting for to be fully realized. And it's only possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us something to hope and believe in in this world. Help us, God, as we make it. Help us, Lord, to be a community that doesn't fail to share the love and the hope that is offered to a dark and broken world. Help us, Lord, to be there for one another, to be the community that we so desperately need. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the lives that you are resurrecting on this day all over the world. We thank you for the work that's going to continue through your church that you've ignited. It will continue on in the days and months and years ahead till you call us home. May we be ready when you call us home. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.